a little while ago, veteran sportscaster Jason Greger found himself in hot water after saying it, quote, didn't matter that there weren't women represented as hosts at their new upstart sports talk radio station. On this episode of Real Talk, we speak with two women in broadcasting to find out if indeed it does matter to have representation behind the mic. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Does it matter? Like, does it really matter to see equal representation on screen, in broadcasting, behind a microphone? Does it matter to see women represented? Does it matter to see minorities represented across the spectrum? Does it matter to see talent, young and old, given opportunity? We're going to be talking about that today based on a kind of a kerfuffle in our home city of Edmonton on the radio last week we're going to get to the details in just a little bit we're going to play you the audio of a a sportscaster by the name of jason gregor talking to a veteran interviewer on the cbc by the name of mark Connolly. gregor launching a new radio station Connolly extending his platform to learn a little bit more about the project and then the moment the moment that started trending across the country now gregor says that he's being misrepresented that the spirit of his comment is being misquoted so we've reached out to him we talked to him and today we're going to talk to two women who have been working in broadcasting for quite some time one of them still on television the other a radio legend who's developing and recruiting and managing talent these days we want to welcome you to what we expect to be a great conversation on this episode of real talk which is presented by our friends at Rello. Now, through the summer, you may have been thinking about, yeah, sure, taking some time off, switching things into a lower gear, easing yourself away from all that thought about career and the grind, and hey, you're only human. But now, with fall approaching, kids getting set to go back to school, you're starting to think big again, aren't you? Yeah, you know that this is the best time of year to take that real estate course that you've been thinking about, to start a career you actually love. Why not leave cubicle life behind for good with Rello? Rello's online real estate courses are fully accredited to help you get your real estate license in Alberta. And they've just added a commercial real estate course to their offerings with more courses coming soon. Get licensed the easy way with Rello's convenient, self-paced courses. You can visit Rello.ca, that's R-E-L-O.ca today to get started. Our leadoff guest this morning is a household name across the country. Claire Hanna is a former Canadian national team volleyball star, a three-time national champion with the University of British Columbia Thunderbirds. She's currently the Ottawa Bureau Chief for TSN. She covers the Senators, the Red Blacks. She's covered the Grey Cup, Wimbledon, March Madness, the Men's World Hockey Championships, and she is just back. Like, we're talking hours just back from covering the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia. You've probably heard her commentary, including play-by-play for beach volleyball and freestyle aerial skiing 
at the Olympic Games. She's making her Real Talk debut. It's so nice to see your face again, Claire. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Can you see the bags under my eyes? Because no. I just got off the flight from Australia like less than 24 hours ago. So I'm trying to get my brain sharp. I'm really happy you've challenged me here this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, we were we were going to talk to you last week, and then we were realizing with, first of all, your obligations covering the World Cup, and I want to talk to you about that, by the way, uh, and also just the time zone. We thought, ah, let's wait until you're back on, on Canadian soil. But that must have been an incredible experience. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it was definitely a bucket list assignment. I love covering women's sports. I love covering all sports. That's why I'm in this industry. Um, But to get to go to Australia and cover what I think is one of the most iconic teams in this nation's history, the Canadian women's soccer team, you know, I want to say fresh off of their Olympic gold medal. I know they didn't perform the way they wanted to. Um, And you're seeing, you know, a bit of a turnover with the group, um, especially after their performance in Australia. But to get to cover them, you know, talk to Christine Sinclair and what might have been most likely her very last World Cup appearance uh, was really, really special. And it's something as a journalist, those are the assignments you work for. And um, yeah, it was really a dream come true to to get to cover them over there. Yeah, I I remember like the very first thing I did when when the uh, Canadian women exited the tournament a little bit earlier than they had hoped. The first thing, I don't know why I did this, my first thing I Googled Christine Sinclair's age and I was trying to do the math and I was like, is it possible that Canada could have her for one more World Cup? Because she is just such an elevated talent. Uh, Just incredible. But also pretty cool, I guess, for you to see. I mean, a first-time champion there as well. Uh, And and, and I mean, when, when you look at sort of across the sport, you know, we spend so much time talking about hockey in Canada. Look at the women's game there as well. You don't want it always being Canada playing the U.S. for gold every single time, right? No, never. You want to see the parity in the sport, and especially with teams like Nigeria advancing past the group stage. They were ranked 41st in the world. Um, They really showed that the African nations are coming along. And then I I love that you had two teams in the final that had never won the World Cup because you knew that there was going to be somebody, you know, hoisting that trophy for the very first time. And it wasn't going to be the United States with a three-peat it just it's really important for the game and i think that you like as a female athlete i know that we've always had really strong representation in the sport but to have the rest of the world really cling on to this tournament get involved i know the numbers were huge uh, way bigger than they expected like fifa didn't expect so many in person people to be attending i know our ratings were great um but to just see the rest of the world kind of realized that women's soccer is such a high level sport. It's so fulfilling. Um, but yeah, I loved watching it. Spain played a heck of a final. I actually had my money on England. Not that I'm a betting person, Ryan, but I just thought England, they'd won the European championships. They're a really tight knit group. I thought they were going to take it, but it's always nice when you get a surprise underdog winning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, by the way, we don't judge anybody on this show for putting a little money on something where they believe they <laughs> know. know the, we never would. judge for that. That's perfectly fine. So you're 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 in an interesting position, and, and we're going to talk about this this situation last week. And and I want to get into your experience in broadcasting. And I'll mention to people that after we talk to you, Claire, we're going to talk to Hall of Fame broadcaster Jackie Ray Greening, and she'll bring a different perspective uh, to this as well. You're you're in an interesting position, not not entirely on an island. I mean, a lot of sports broadcasters have careers as either professional or elite international level athletes. It's 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 part of what gives you the credibility to to comment on what you're doing to to provide your insights. When you were growing up, like when you were like eight and and ten and twelve, were you dreaming of playing volleyball for Team Canada 
or were you dreaming of broadcasting for TSN or were you kind of dreaming of both? I was definitely more dreaming of being an athlete at the Olympics, Ryan. And that started because I watched a lot of sports on television. And, you know, I'm going to give CBC a shout out here. I know I work for TSN, but um, on those cold Alberta winter mornings, <laughs> I'd be watching uh, CBC sports on Saturday afternoons, whether it was Alex Depati winning the Pan Am Games um, or Silken Lawman rowing or my like number one all timer growing up was Donovan Bailey. He just inspired me at the 1996 um, Atlanta Games. So I was really dreaming of being one of those athletes on the podium representing Canada at the Olympics. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But as I was going through sports as an athlete, Ryan, I really felt underrepresented in media. And I bring this example up a lot. But when I played at UBC, um, we hadn't won a national championship for volleyball in 30 years um, in 2008. And we had a strong team that year. And we ended up going to the national final and we won it. And it was in Fredericton. And I remember being really excited to go back to school um, because I figured the student newspaper would have us on the cover. And I remember going back to UBC and the newspaper publish publication is actually called the UBC. And the cover page was like the men's basketball team after they had won just kind of like an insignificant game. You know, I think it was a regular season game and we had won the national championship as the women's volleyball team. And I had to flip through the paper and we were on page like 12 or something. Wow. And we were just a tiny little photo in the bottom corner and it cut deep. It really hurt. And I thought to myself, okay, like, where was the issue here? Was it somebody, was it the sports editor that didn't recognize our achievement? Was it just like late to press because of the time change? Like I didn't, I couldn't figure it out, Ryan. And so that was the first time I thought, okay, well, why don't I get involved with writing? Hmm. I did a little bit of writing for the UBC and um, basically I just did a column called athlete of the week. But instead of just choosing one athlete, we choose a female and a male athlete. Hmm. And so that was where I really first started getting involved in a bit of journalism. It was, you know, just a student paper at UBC, but um, I just, I hated the way it made me feel after a huge accomplishment, not getting the recognition I felt we deserved in the media. Wow. Uh, Just on it. I mean, you've made the most important point not to detract from that, but on a side note, so UBC's women's volleyball team didn't win a national title for 30 years. And then the team you were on won three. It it actually went on to win five in a row. I graduated. I was there for the first three in, in 30 years. Yeah, it was really special. It, and my third and final year, or sorry, my you know, as a senior, um, we actually had a perfect season. And we won the national championship in Edmonton, actually. We beat the University of Manitoba in four sets, and it was at the old gym. I I, um, I know they play at the Savile Center now, but it was back uh, right beside the Butter Dome. So oh, I yeah. think we were one of the last to play there. Where, where were you <laughs> born and raised? Me. Are you a BC girl? I was actually born in Vancouver, and then we moved to Calgary when I was about nine years old. And I'm actually at my parents' place right now in Alberta. Um, But then when I went back to UBC, I went back to Vancouver. So I don't know how to say where I'm from. I'm like half Vancouver, half Calgary. And you know the rest. I've lived in Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Now I'm in Ottawa. So I feel like I'm a pretty broad Canadian. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've and you got to sort of at at those early stages in broadcasting. And I guess you and I kind of entered the game um, at at different. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm way older. Um, 
Um, <laughs> but uh, more experience, more yeah, experience, more experience, sure. But uh, my first job, and so I started the Calgary Herald. Then my first job was like mid two thousands, like two thousand five. My first radio job, and at that point, um, for for a combination of factors, uh, including the fact that the pay was just and is just so low, entry level in broadcasting. I mean, I've told people this. I don't think that we need to hide it. I think it's good to talk about things like that, Claire. My first job, my first salary, two thousand five, working in Red Deer and Radio, nineteen thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's right. Like my second job was twenty nine thousand a year, and I felt like I had just hit the pay, like I hit pay dirt. Like it was unbelievable. You know, the guy apologized for only being able to offer me twenty nine. I said, "Buddy, you're giving me like a fifty percent raise." So it's a, but anyway. But the, but the point being, you don't unpack your suitcase like you got to be willing to bounce around and and kind of level up and and grab those opportunities and you've done that i mean uh you know from from reporting on on some of the sort of like smaller profile sporting events going on in big cities to anchoring to now i mean you're on cfl sidelines you're talking to some of the brightest stars in the national hockey league what a journey for you oh my gosh i love that you put that photo up of me interviewing kelly rudy that was actually um I was volunteering for Shaw Television in Calgary um, at the advice of Jay Onright, who at the time was a mentor. Now I can't believe I call him a colleague. Yeah. um, Yeah, that photo there. I remember um, they just were looking for some volunteers at a charity event um, in Cochrane. And I got to interview Kelly. And, you know, uh, this is a great, I don't know, segue into this whole topic. But after I interviewed Kelly, I, I, you know, I tried to do a lot of prep for this event, Ryan. And, you know, I was nervous. It was the first time I was interviewing players. I interviewed Jordan Eberle, Sheldon Kennedy also that day. And um, Kelly said, hey, like, is this something you're interested in getting into? And I said, absolutely. I want to do sports broadcasting. I used to be a high-level athlete for Team Canada. And he said, you know what? You're pretty good at this. Um, He's like, here's my email. If you need any help and any any advice, please let me know. And I know we went out for coffee a couple months later. And he just gave me some advice about how he got into the industry. But that was so massive Mm. for, uh, you know, meeting Somebody like Kelly Rudy, who was on Hockey Night in Canada, he's a great, he's a professional, uh, consummate professional, and just being like, hey, you know what, like, I, I think you've got a future in this if you work hard, and if you if you want some advice, let me know. And for somebody who's starting out, those allies are integral, Ryan. And mm. I'm sure you had someone when you started at the Calgary Herald, too. Yeah, 100%. And there are people still to this day that that, that I sort of am in a mentor relationship with. Um, I remember there's this national columnist, Catherine Ford, who was like in her glory. Like she was like, I mean, she's still great. She's hilarious. But, you know, when I was there, you know, late 1990s, and, and I remember she came up to me and Claire, the very first thing she says, she walks up to me at the water cooler and she goes, who the fuck are you? And uh, that was like my very first time talking to her. And I burst out laughing and then she kind of gave me this smirk. And I, and, and then we, we just had like she was just such a wonderful encouragement. And then, yeah, through the years, like I could name ones as well. I mean, probably still to this day, Charles Adler and I talk all the time. He's on the show once a week, uh, but we talk off air, too. And, and I just treasure, um, you know, being able to look to somebody who's been there and who's seen it. Um, I'm especially grateful that you're here today talking. I mean, I was excited to hear about the World Cup. It's great to catch up with you. You and I haven't yeah. had a beer for a really long time. But you were one of the first people that I thought of when when this Gregor interview kind of went viral uh, last week. And so here's the scene setup. We want to play. We're not going to play the whole interview, but I'm going to play his entire answer uh, to Mark Connolly when Mark's asking him uh, about women on this new station. The background, Claire, obviously you know, um, TSN's AM radio station, their sports talk radio in Edmonton one day just 
unfolded. I think most people know the story. Just one day, it just went off the air in the middle of a guy's show, which is a real Bush League move on station management, if you ask me, but I digress. So a bunch of these hosts from TSN rally together. They basically go to Stingray, which is a radio uh, company. You're going to hear from Jackie Ray Greening in just a little bit from Stingray. Uh, and they and they pitched a new sports talk station. So they're launching it. They're launching it after Labor Day here in Edmonton. It's going to be called Sports 1440. And so Gregor's there to talk about the new station with Mark Connolly on the CBC Airwaves. And about three minutes into the interview, there's this. What about women? I mean, women have become a big part of sports right now. The Women's World Cup on right now. I don't see any women in your roster. Is that something that's coming? Because there's a lot of women sports fans out there, too. Well, there's women sports fans, but a lot of women sports fans have told me they don't need to hear a woman to be a sports fan. So, um, so I'm the only guy, Mark. Uh, you're not going to have any women on the air? Oh, no, well, have, not, not as regular hosts, no. Well, here, here's the challenge, Mark, in Sports Talk Radio. Outside of Andy Petrillo, are there any around? I hired Meg Morrison and, and Allison Curry. And now Meg, uh, you know, now she owns a golf course, right? That, like, she followed her passion. She had a golfing show. So... I'm all about having uh, people there if there's any to hire. There, there wasn't a lot of options in the Edmonton market of people who have experience. You, you can't put someone on the air who doesn't have any experience previously. So we have some contributors for sure, but no, we don't have a regular host. And, and to be honest, I don't think it matters. And that was what exploded, that last comment. I don't think it matters. Uh, what was the first thing you thought when you heard it? Well, I actually thought about a lot of comments that were just made in that one sentence. But um, my first reaction was it absolutely does matter. And oh, like I, at first I felt kind of like that comment made a lot of women feel insignificant, really made us feel like we disappear. Because to me, um, voices of all types, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's BIPOC, um, in media are so important because you need to have diverse opinions. You need to have diverse questions asked. And so to just say that women, you know, the hosts at our station, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that was really short-sighted of him. And I don't know what he said in terms of backpedaling on those comments, Ryan, but who I just, I think it's really dangerous. He's got a huge platform. And for him to communicate that, and, you know, I know it went really viral and I was kind of, I was really happy by looking at a lot of the people who spoke out against that comment, because um, I think it shows that, you know, everybody recognizes that it's important to have diverse voices. And I, I don't want to just say it's female voices. I think, you know, it's, it's encompassing a lot of those ones, but uh, it's really important to, to be able to have a show or have a program that represents different viewpoints. So that was, I think it was, it was almost a dangerous comment. Did you like when you were coming up in the business, did you ever have somebody kind of give you the like pat on the head there, there treatment like the, you know, it, it could be like subtle little things. Like I had a really fascinating conversation, a friend of mine, she's an, a, an executive in Edmonton. I don't have permission to use her name, so I won't, but, but she talks to me about, it can be small. She talks about the subtle sexism that she uh, endures at the boardroom table. And it can be little things like even just what people refer to her as, or, 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 you know, people asking her if she's taking notes during a meeting. She's a CEO. She's like, am I taking notes? I mean, there's little stuff like that. Have you experienced that coming up in broadcasting? Yeah, there's been subtle things, and I'll call them subtle aggressions, Ryan. And um, 
for example, my first job was in Lloydminster and it was a sports reporter and anchor. And, you know, I was doing the camera work. I'd already played volleyball for Team Canada. So I felt like my background just in terms of the psychology of understanding sports, injuries, wins, losses, you know, it was strong. And then it was just about fine tuning um, my preparation, getting good on air. But then I had another job where um, I was just hosting a television show. So I'm sorry, not just hosting a television show. Right. My my role did not involve directly sports in that role. And um, my boss didn't like when I touched the sports roles. And I don't know why I asked him. And he just said because he'd hired me for a different role. But that was really frustrating. And I never got an answer on why he didn't want me covering sports. Um, and, And I like... That job didn't work out in the end. Um, and I i mean, I got back into sports specific roles, but those th- that felt like um, a sexist thing. It felt like he maybe wasn't having me in those roles because I was a female, because other men he employed, he had covering sports. So that was maybe not even a micro example. <laughs> maybe mm. that's more of a macro example. Or even um, I remember... Um, at this point in my career, I was covering sports. And you know I used to have a job in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And when I worked in Edmonton, um, I had a media pass for the Oilers games because I loved sports. And I would go to all the Oilers games. You saw me there. We'd chit-chat. That's when we'd sometimes catch up over a beer afterwards. And um, I went to those games because I wanted to keep my foot in the door with sports and just network. Um, and uh, a couple of years later, I started working for global television in Saskatoon and um, Sportsnet asked me to do some freelance work for them with social media. And it was the Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, um, first game ever at Rogers Place or sorry, Rogers Stadium, Rogers Arena. I no, Rogers Place. Sense. You're right. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and so I went back to Rogers Place and this time I was working for Sportsnet just just on a one time gig. And I remember one of the PR people with the Oilers was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm working for Sportsnet. And they said, okay, because I thought you got out of the industry. I thought you weren't working in, in um, television anymore. And I'm like, well, actually, I am in Saskatoon, and I'm here to cover this game. And they were like, okay, well, you can go just you can go in the press box, but we're definitely not letting you in the locker room. And I thought, what are you saying? Like, I was so confused because I had this media accreditation, and I'm still to this day like wondering why they didn't want to let me in those spaces. Um, and it's hurtful. And some of these things, Ryan, like I just look back on and I try to, you know, just shrug it off because I've worked hard in this industry and I've earned where I've gotten. But these little moments make you doubt yourself. Mm. They undermine your confidence. And um, yeah, they just they make you feel insignificant. <laughs> Let me ask uh, you. I want to put this in front of you. This is from Cameron uh, in our live chat. Who I think he's, he's asking this in good faith. He says, I think it 100 percent matters to have representation, but does it matter if they're guests or hosts? What would you say? Um, I think that Cameron makes a good point. I think you need both because I think I've noticed um, when I listen to all sorts of different types of hosts, everybody brings a different perspective and how you host a show compared to Mark Connolly is going to be different. How I host a show compared to you is going to be different. But I feel like when you have females in hosting roles, it's it's just a different voice to hear for an audience. And for example, growing up, I didn't see a ton of female representative on uh, representation on television, especially in reporting. Sarah Orleski, uh, Sherry Ford, they rocked it. But had they not been in those roles, Ryan, I might not have been able to think, oh, I can be in that position one day. 
And so if I don't hear female hosts, then I'm going to have a hard time believing that I can get there. And that's why representation is so important. So I think to Cameron's point, you need guests, but you definitely need hosts as well. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wanted to include this in our conversation. Uh, Allie Dally, Allison Curry is well-known in Edmonton. Uh, she formerly worked with Jason Greger. And uh, in the midst of all this, when this story was kind of exploding, she chimed in with a thread that is relevant. Um, she said, uh, when I worked in sports radio, there were just two women in sports radio here. She's talking about in Edmonton. She says, and both of us were hired by Jason Greger. She said, I reached out to him as a listener before he ever knew me, told him of my dream of sports radio. He encouraged me, gave me great advice. He's the reason I gained the courage to go to a learning center as a 26-year-old mother of two to see if I could qualify to get into school for radio. She says, when I got in, Greger pushed me, uh, offered advice after I put in my whole heart into the station. Most of it volunteer. He trained me, gave me an incredible opportunity to be his show's producer. Uh, she says, up until my current career, working for Greg was the only time in my working life where I didn't feel like I had to prove myself as a woman. It was the only time I didn't feel like I had less of a voice as a woman. Uh, if anyone made me uncomfortable, I could go to Gregor and he had my back. I felt empowered by Gregor. And, and she goes on and people can read the full thread. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Ali Dally. I wanted to include that uh, as part of the conversation because it is relevant. I, I, and I mentioned it off the top of the show. I want to mention again, if people are just joining us. Uh, live streaming on the Mixler audio app presented by California Closets. We did reach out to Jason Greger. We did offer him a spot on the show today. Uh, he declined, but you know he did ask that we include that, and I do think that that's relevant. What, what do you make of that thread from Allison Curry? I love it. I read that too, um, and I thought what a great example of how he's being an ally and how he's encouraging a woman who's reaching out to him, showing that you know she's got this go-getter attitude. She's like, I want to be in radio. I don't have experience. Help me get there. And I, I love that he helped her get there. Also tried to make sure she got higher compensation than what she originally had. Those are That's, that's fantastic. Um, it's still concerning, though, that he will go on his platform and say that female hosts, you know, they don't really need them. And to the point is, okay, so Allie reaches out to him, you know, saying, I'm interested in getting a job. Well, I've had examples where guys have reached out to me and and women and been like, hey, would you be interested in this position? And that's where I think Jason could do a great job of seeking out women who might be great fits as host rather than just having them approach him. This is a super competitive industry. Typically, studies have shown that women don't have as much confidence um, in in all walks of life you know we ask ourselves oh did we get lucky to get this role whereas men just think they oh yeah they deserve it and that's just studies have shown that but i i think about when i was working in edmonton ryan um i was hosting that show with city television Mm -hmm. and um i wasn't covering sports but somebody from the university of alberta matt gooch reached out to me and he asked if i was interested in doing commentary for the university um of Alberta Golden Bears and Pandas volleyball teams. And I said, oh, I'd love to do that. But I'd only ever thought of myself in the role of a color commentator because I was a former player. I could offer analysis um, and commentary. And he said, no, I actually think you should be play-by-play. And I said, oh, I've never done play-by-play. And um, he said, it's okay. You're going to be great at it. It's, It's not that hard and you'll figure it out. So he took a big risk on me. And as you've already mentioned, I've now done play-by-play for the Olympics. But had he not you know, reached out to me and offered me a role that I didn't have experience at, I never would have gained the confidence to continue pursuing that, getting better at it, doing it for higher level university or 
um, sports or um, then doing international volleyball and then getting the call for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes men need to reach out to women, offer them roles that they might not have the experience for yet, but enable them to get that experience. Because I can name a bunch of guys on television in sports who, who entered with no experience at all and flourished because they were given the right environments to do that in. And so let's create environments for women to succeed in. Right now, when I hear those comments from Jason Greger, if I wanted to work in sports radio in Edmonton, it's not like I'm going to be jumping up and down to want to work for him because those are, those are, I'm like, okay, well, will the environment be right for me? Yes, Allison Daly mentions that the environment was, was great for her, but it just, it feels like it's not being built for me. And I, I, it doesn't need to be built for me, but just at least welcome me. Let me feel like there's a space for me. Let me ask you in closing, I'm really grateful for your time. Uh, how does it feel or what goes through your mind? Because I know you notice, because I've noticed the same things too and I'm in that situation. When you're in Ottawa and it's game night, it's like hockey night in Canada or whatever. You're working the TSN broadcast and, and, you're, and, and, and you know, Tim Stutzel and Brady Kachuk are doing their thing. I have them both in my pool, Thomas Shabbat too, so I love <laughs> talking about them all the time. I can't believe I haven't even asked you for fantasy hockey advice yet. Um, but you're doing your, your hit and everybody notices the, 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 cam- the person on camera. Everybody, like, that's a big thing in the arena. People always notice, especially when it's, like, a prominent broadcaster like you, especially when it's a TSN mic flash, kind of a big deal. And you're doing your hit, and you're on camera, and then you look over, and there's, like, a little girl or two little girls watching you. What's that like for you? Ooh, Ryan, it's awesome. Okay, but I'm going to be real. Like, when I'm doing that hit... Um, whether it's, you know, post-game, Brady Kachuk on the bench over the boards and it's live on TSN, but it's live in the arena. I'm I'm pretty dialed in on that interview, okay? I will see the people by the boards sometimes with signs and, you know, big smiles, um, but I don't think of it, and I know this maybe isn't the answer you're looking for, but I don't think of it so much as like, oh, maybe they're looking at me and thinking they can be me one day. I'm thinking more like how exciting is it that, I get to interview this player and ask them questions and get them to have a voice in this arena and and get them to express their emotions after this game. That's sort of how I'm I'm truly feeling. Um, it's only when we have a really cool um, studio set up in Ottawa. It's when there might be some young girls that come up to the studio and want to say hi or want a picture behind the desk. That's what really gives me a lot of joy and satisfaction because I'm hoping that they can see themselves one day at me. Yeah, no kidding. All right, one quick one. So, so everybody thinks that Sanderson's going to be running the power play for the Senators, but I've got <laughs> Thomas Shabbat, and I have to decide if I should protect him. I have valuable protection spots on my fantasy roster. You think Shabbat's still going to run the first power play this year in Ottawa? Well, I think at the end of the season, I know that Shabbat was nicked and bruised, but you saw Sanderson running it a lot of times. I know. Okay? He's only going to get better. I know. And, um, so I, I just think that there's going to be uh, maybe a – leadership committee on that thing but uh, you're not wrong to take Anderson <laughs> oh okay oh I got some tough decisions Claire Hanna is the uh Ottawa bureau chief uh doing an amazing job for TSN of course the national network it was wonderful to have you here on the show thanks for making time for us enjoy the the downtime with your parents after uh, the women's world cup 
Thank you so much, Ryan. You got it. You can follow Claire on Twitter. Make sure you do. We link to all of our guests from our official account when we announce our lineup every morning. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Real Talk RJ. Jackie Ray Greening coming up in just a second. This conversation is presented by our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. When's the last time you ordered chicken strips at Dairy Queen? I asked. This is a very important question, and there's a point to it. I think a lot of people think that quick service restaurants like the chicken here is the chicken there is the chicken there that is not the case did you know that dq actually has first dibs on the best chicken i'm not joking in canada give it a try for yourself you will notice a major difference in particular the sauced and tossed honey barbecue glazed chicken strip basket it's like having your favorite wing joint pop up at your local dq restaurant you can pair it up with fries why not some onion rings if you're really looking to ramp it up? You can find these at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and in Sherwood Park on Baseline Road. If you're one of those Canadians in particular in Alberta right now that's navigating the nightmare of fire or flood repair, uh, maybe it was just a kind of a, what you thought might be a low-key renovation. All of a sudden, you've discovered mold or asbestos in the walls. You don't want to mess around here. You want to trust your project to a company that has established itself as the best in the business. That is Complete Care Restoration. They have specialists that will visit your home or your business in a timely manner to make sure that they assess, mitigate, and address necessary cleanup, even emergency demolition of the site. This is stuff you don't want to mess around on. We've seen them work firsthand. That's why we give two thumbs up to the team at Complete Care Restoration. Everybody's talking about solar panels these days, aren't they? Right? Yesterday, interesting conversation with Paul McLaughlin from Rural Municipalities. What is undeniable is that people's power bills are up, way up. There's never been a better time to pursue green energy that is solar on your roof. Kubi Renewable Energy does it better than anybody in Canada. You can check out their products and services, including home solar, commercial solar, even energy storage, the Tesla Powerwall 2. They do it all with their certified installers. They're all journeymen or apprentices. And of course, Kubi stands by their work in Alberta, BC, and beyond. You can get a free quote today at kubienergy.ca. And a shout out to our friends at Friesen Brothers. Johnny, I know that they, they had some stuff that they wanted me to mention yesterday, but I, I couldn't help. I had to talk about the braised beef short rib yesterday. Yeah. I, had, I had no choice. So here's what they actually wanted me to mention. Okay. They wanted me to point out that they have their Alberta Chuck Burger Box going on right now. You can order it online. This is absolutely fantastic. Four premium Alberta beef Chuck Burgers, Banja's Smokehouse Bacon, which is like the best in the game. They've got Jacinda's Burger Sauce, Caramelized Onions, Grass-Fed Cheddar, and Mother Dough Bread Company Burger Buns. It is time for you to gear up your burger game at home and you can feed four people for just 35 bucks. You can get your hands on the Chuck Burger box online at cateringbyfriesen.com or just visit the deli counter at any of the 16 Friesen Brothers stores across the province of Alberta. That's sourdough, man. Whew. There's something about it. Best in the city. 
I remember talking to their their head baker once. I said, does your sour, because a lot of people name their starter, their sourdough starter. Mm-hmm. We said, does your starter have a name? Like, I thought it was this clever question. They're like, yeah, Charlie. Like, every, <laughs> everybody knows Charlie. It's like the famous sourdough starter at Friesen Brothers, baked fresh daily in store. Our next guest, you may argue, I mean, if you know radio at all, she really doesn't need an introduction, but we'll give her one anyway. She's in the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. She's in the Country Music Alberta Hall of Fame. She's in the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame in the Builder category. Uh, Jackie Ray recently received an honorary doctorate from McEwen University, recognizing all of her volunteering and the amazing work that she's been doing uh, across the country and in that Country at McEwen initiative. She's been in radio for more than 40 years and she is the boss calling the shots at Stingray, including legendary brands like CFCW and the brand new Upstart Station for, uh, Sports 1440. It's so nice to see your face. So nice to see you. Do you know what I was thinking about? Last time I was interviewed by you, uh, you were on television and it was I was there to promote uh, the 2007 Ford World Men's Curling Championship. Yeah, it's been a long time. My wife, you know, is was in broadcasting for a long time as an FM radio personality. And she last night I said, hey, Jackie Ray's on the show tomorrow. She said, you get to hang out with Jackie Ray. And, and she goes, what are you going to be talking about? I go, well, probably a whole bunch of stuff. And she goes, well, whatever it is, you guys are going to have so much fun. So Carrie sends greetings to you as well. Um, hey, let's let's cut right to this. This you're launching this sports 1440 station. It's kind of unusual. You don't see a lot of new am stations launching it's kind of an unusual circumstance it really really is you know that Wetasco and oldie station's been around for 50 years started out as pop then it went to country for a while and we've been oldies there for about 15 it's kind of ran itself we haven't put a lot into it but when tsn shut its doors we all just went hmm we've got an am stick and we reached out right away to gregor and the team and thought this would be a wonderful opportunity for them to bring sports back to edmonton yeah, and, and, and kind of a neat opportunity to like make the most of, of a, a radio license. We, we talk a lot about the, and, and oftentimes it's like gut punch type. I'm not trying oh. to be a huge downer here, but the state of media, I mean, to see TSN just shut down a station, just like walk away from a broadcast license, basically. It's, it's not unprecedented, but it's, it's quite unusual. Really unusual, and especially for us with, with being CFCW, next year we turn 70. Wow. And you know, so we're the heritage. We are Canada's first country station. We still do extremely well. Uh, and and for us, that would be unthinkable to shut down our signal. And for uh, for them to do that, it was uh, we all just went, what? Yeah. Um, in the business, people call you a PD. That means you're a program director at, at Sports 1440, as, as well as at the other stations, which means that you're the boss. Uh, what was your first thought when you heard the Gregor Connolly interview last week? Uh, you know what? I, I thought, um, do I wish he had articulated it better? Absolutely. Did he say women didn't matter? Absolutely not. Uh, do I wish he had a woman as a, as a host of one of the shows? Yeah, that would be awesome. But I think when we launch on September 5th, uh, people are going to be really pleasantly surprised as to who he has as co-host, who he has as regular weekly guests. There's going to be great female representation on that show. So I thought it was just a lot of hoobaloo about uh, nothing. I, I really feel that we are going to super serve the gals just A-OK. And, and I think uh, I'm, I'm going to be one of them, so I'll be there. 
Jackie, you, uh, as mentioned in the introduction, like you're a member of like all these halls of fame. You've got the honorary doctor. You've done a ton in the community. Our live chat right now, people are just using all caps. They're like, OMG, Jackie. You've obviously got a lot of respect from people. Uh, tell us about coming up in the industry. Like when, when did you first get your start? What do you remember about that? And, and, and maybe kicking down the door at a couple stations. Oh, my, you know what I remember, Ryan? I remember that you know, when I was growing up in St. Albert in the 60s, I wanted to be an RCMP officer. And uh, my parents didn't tell me that women weren't allowed in the RCMP. So, hmm. and then in the 70s, when I wanted to be a radio DJ, I didn't really pay attention to the fact that there were no radio female DJs. I just thought, no, I can talk. I love music. I want to be on the radio. Uh, so I went to a Columbia School of Broadcasting here in the city, mailed my little cassette tapes in every week. And uh, 1982, the fall of 82, I started the midnight to six shift at CKGY in Red Deer. You came out of Red Deer too, didn't you? I did. And Carrie actually was at CKGY and I was at Big 105 and we had to keep our dating. We had to keep our romance secret because we were (laughs) we were competitors in the news scrums. But then we would like passionately kiss at night when nobody could see us. That was our start. I love that. And I ended up hiring Carrie at a big girl. You did. <laughs> yeah, that was that was for her. That was that was like kind of her first. Uh, I won't speak on her behalf, but that was her first major market job um, at Big Earl 96.3 in Edmonton. And, and that was a big deal. How do you now as a program director? So you're you obviously like know your way around a microphone, but you're also now in the business of recruiting, developing and managing talent. How does you know, EDI, like equity, diversity, inclusion, how does that factor into how you approach your job? You know what, for me, it's always the best person for the job. Uh, And that's what my philosophy has always been. You know, I'm pretty lucky at CFCW because the team I've compiled here, you know, we're 50-50 with the male to females. Uh, We have two two indigenous announcers, but it was because they were the best. Uh, And, and I, that's the way I've always hired. And, I just find that when you do that, you bring it, your your sound is way more interesting. I find anyway, but I, it's the best person for the job always. Do you remember? Was there like a moment in your career where where somebody? I mean, you you obviously earned your stripes. Um, you know, your your career speaks for itself. But when when you look back, I can think of you know Claire Hanna about ten minutes ago talked about somebody that did her a real solid and gave her a chance to do play by play at the University of Alberta. Now she's doing play by play at the Olympic Games. Was there a moment like relatively early in your career that that kind of maybe changed the course or accelerated you forward? Uh, it's actually two. There was one when I was working at Q91 in Drumheller. At the time, I was doing the, the afternoon drive show, and I went into my PD and I said, I want to sit in your chair one day, so how do I get there? And he says, well, you have to become uh, either a music director or go through promotions. You need something that will get you into, into the management chair. So I said, well, music's already filled here. We don't have a promotions person in drums. So I said, can I become the promotion director too? So of course, same pay, double the workload. But that is what got me in the door in Edmonton because no one was hiring female announcers when I wanted to get in the city in the late 80s. So I started out, uh, CHQT, I was there for a year as marketing director. Then CFCW was always my goal. And they hi- I got in the door as a marketing director, not as an on-air personality. Huh. Uh, the only on-air females on CFCW then were uh, in the news department. 
So I uh, eventually, I was in marketing, and the, the key was when we got the Edmonton Oilers broadcast rights at CFCW. And we knew we had to up our game on the morning show, so we hired Wes Montgomery. And I knew Wes through curling really well. We were buddies through curling. And we figured out that CFCW was way too busy for him to operate the board. He called it the magic fingers of Wes Montgomery. He couldn't <laughs> hit a right button to start a commercial or anything if his life depended on it. Yeah. So they figured... Okay, well, I remember it was Al Anderson. He said, well, you're probably the only broad that he would put up with uh, in the morning show. So that was how I got in on air at CFCW was was Cousins West. What do you think, like, industry-wide, how would you describe the evolution, uh, like, I would say still, just as a casual observer, there there are way more men than women that have their own shows. I don't have statistics to back that up, but I know what I see with my own eyes. Uh, where do you see the industry present day as compared to maybe 20 years ago? And, and where do you see it going? I mean, that's a huge question. Where do you see broadcasting going? But oh, yeah. in the context of what we're talking about. You know, I think for women, uh, what I find the most is there's more women like me in program director roles. There was only like a couple of us for years. It was janitor cart at the queue in Winnipeg. We were the only women for years, never invited to golf tournaments or anything. The guys were doing, you know, the other PDs or music directors were invited to. So we, we made our own fun back in the day. Uh, But now there's way more females in management, which I love to see. And, and the on air is coming. I, I find, uh, what I would love to see someday is somebody take a gamble on a, a woman, uh, a, a woman taking the morning show and, yeah. and running. It. You, know, you know, we've got Stella Stevens on CFCW in the morning and, and you know, if Greg Shannon's way, the two of them are awesome together. But, she, uh, you know, she can handle it right on her own. A OK. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to see more of, of that in the future. Where's broadcasting going? Uh, if you're doing it right, I think. Uh, you know, you look at CFCW, I feel we're doing it right. We're still out in the community. We're still hitting every fair festival and rodeo that we've done for 70 years. And uh, I, I think if broadcasters are, are are there for the listeners and doing it out and getting out in the community, uh, we're going to be around for a long time. You've understood for a long time uh, the power of connection. And, uh, and and you think of like, I, I mean, technology changes, methods of delivery change, um, but what doesn't change is the spirit of somebody that on a Saturday night was was gathered around the remember Marshall McEwen, uh, McLuhan called, he called it the electronic hearth, right? Like people, families would gather around the radio and and the relationship that like the greats, you know, Walter Cronkite had with his audience or, or, or whatever. And I mean, there's been a ton of broadcasters that could tell that story um, to, to present day, which is like, you know, AM and FM stations like you're running you know, streaming YouTube shows and podcasts like what we're doing, it's still all about connection. Nothing there changes. What would your message be to to a, an eight-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 17-year-old girl that's dreaming of one day having a career in broadcasting? What would be your message to her? Oh, do it. Uh, it is, imagine you come, I, I get this a lot. You're still working? Haven't you retired yet? no. Why would I retire? I go to work every single day and have fun. This is fun. It's not rocket science. We just, uh, we're, and, and we're connecting and we're doing things with our listeners. So I say pursue a career in broadcasting. And the thing, you know, Wes Montgomery just taught me a huge lesson when I was on the radio with him. Before then, I was, I was a radio announcer. I was like this and hello, hello. But he taught me to be the person in personality. And as long as you're real with your listeners and you make that connection, 
they're coming along with you for the ride. And it's been just an amazing 40 plus years that I've had in the business. And uh, if you work your butt off and you, you treat people with kindness and you just work with your coworkers, amazing things can happen. It's still a really, really awesome business to be in. Dr. Jackie Ray Greening is the PD at a whole bunch of radio stations in Edmonton uh, at Stingray, uh, including Sports 1440, which will launch in the Capital Region on September 5th. You can check out sports1440.ca for more. Thank you for doing this. It's so nice to see your face again. So good to see you. Give my love to Carrie. Have a good one. I sure will, JR. Thanks very much. Jackie Ray. I love it. Did you see the live chat just explode? When yeah, she came like on? immediately lights up. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. awesome. I love what she said there, the person and personality. I remember when I was in radio, I had a hard time connecting with listeners. I used to put a picture of like, you know, you know, what our PD would say our 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 age range was. At that time it was like twenty five to forty five, yeah. you know, females or whatever. I used to put this picture in front of me and I called it Jen. And I, I would so look, a picture of somebody you didn't know. Picture of someone in our demo, and and I would just look at the picture as I was doing the break. And it is true. Once you let go of that whole, like that whole, yeah, you know what I mean, and just kind of become yourself and act like you're just talking to one person in a car who's trying to get home at the end of a long day. You really like flourish. So I really connected with her when she mentioned that. The, yeah. the, pers- the persona and personality. Yeah. I love that. The person We're, and personality. Isn't that the truth, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's a re- uh, uh, Claire is still in our live chat. Awesome to see Claire Hannah there. Uh, she says the person in personality. She yeah. says I love that. Authenticity <laughs> is so important. Yeah, I mean, we, we can get into the weeds here and get a little bit nerdy talking about broadcasting. But, yeah. but the days of like the broadcasting voice mm-hmm. are gone. Yeah. Right. And you look at and, and there are people I, I mean, I don't know. This is like such a random example. But, uh, you know, the, the podcast Spit and Chicklets, Rear Admiral uh, R.A. that hosts that mm-hmm. with Paul Bissonette and Ryan Whitney and the guys. Uh, he, he's got like he does not have a standard good polished radio <laughs> yeah, voice. He's got a strong Boston <laughs> accent. He kind of slurs some of his words. He mumbles. Yeah. But he's captivating. Yeah. You know, that's that's just one yeah. example off the top of my head how the. The industry has changed so much. There's still a small space for that radio voice. Like, I still tune in to some news stations, and I hear those people who've been doing it for, you know, 40, 50 years. Uh, and, and I still, I have some respect for that. Because when you're getting the news, sometimes you want that straightforward sure. kind of voice. But yeah, it really has turned from, you don't tune in anymore and hear, hey, man, I'm about to throw on a jet. Like, yeah, it's not like that, that anymore. Nobody it's it's that. like your next door neighbor talking to you over the fence. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then there's people that just have great voices that they can't help it. And they like don't even ever, need to if try. You're out, if you're out for dinner with Charles oh, Adler, he sounds like Charles oh, Adler. I hate him. <laughs> they, can, <laughs> so, they can literally just, read a menu, right? It, I'll have the cheeseburger. And they just like, sound can incredible. Just, <laughs> can you read another page of that menu? You know, I, I can think of, I think like Adrian Arsenault is another one for yeah. me uh, on, on the national. She's mm-hmm. just got, I would listen to, to uh, Christiana Amanpour is another one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would listen to them read the phone book. Yeah. Uh, they just, they have such a, 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 a talent when it comes to storytelling. I love this from Cadmus Rex, who says this has been super interesting working while working, uh, working while listening. Um, you know, I, I like that. I, I, I love knowing that that real talk is here with a lot of you while you're getting your job done. Um, sorry, not sorry if if your job doesn't have your full focus. Because we know that we're giving you the odd thing to think about, which is kind of the whole point. Tawny, if what we've what what's Tawny, going on? 
Donnie just said, what are you saying about Adler, that he has a face for radio? I think that's the old saying. Right? Oh, yeah. people. Just, and, the, and the second half of that, you've got a face for radio and a voice for newspaper. Yeah. That's what people used to tell me. Uh, if what we've said has resonated with you, we'd love for you to send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com, or you can blow us up on social. Uh, use the hashtag RealTalkRJ. We are still receiving a ton of emails. I've picked five today that we're going to read. It's not it's far from all of them. I apologize to everybody else. We're doing what we can. But our interview with David Parker has obviously exploded. The founder of Take Back Alberta. People are talking about important subject matter. A lot of people did not know what this group was all about. They had no idea about his plans for school boards. And uh, you're letting us know as much in your emails. We're going to get to those in, in just a little bit. But first, every Wednesday, our friends at Tourism Jasper give us a chance to head out to the mountains at least with our imaginations we want to put some stuff on your radar so you know what's coming up in jasper so you can start planning your next adventure it's a weekly tradition we call my jasper memories and i'm thrilled to let you know that music is coming to the mountains in early september that's right the jasper folk music festival goes september 8th and 9th and is bringing with it great roots rhythm folk and blues you can enjoy live performances from amazing bands, and there's a ton of them that are going to be out there. This is a really, really neat opportunity to get out there. Bands like uh, Moon Tricks, Ray Elliott Band, White Horse, and many more, and some local favorites. Johnny, can you tee up that video for me? I'm going to throw to this. this yeah, is, we got now, a band right here. Now, okay, so this isn't like our audio wizard, Johnny, didn't capture this with six microphones and a mixing board <laughs> this is just from my phone but i was having so much fun last summer at the athabee that's one of the best live music venues in jasper with the local band sons and daughter and i just had to they're covering one of my favorite songs of all time here and i caught just a little snippet on my phone i never knew i would use it on my jasper memories but you gotta hear this band play you gotta hear this guy sing this is jasper's own sons and daughter Okay, so obviously so much fun. And you can see a packed house there at the Athaby. That's Sons and Daughter. They're also going to be performing at the Jasper Folk Music Festival. A variety of unique venues to choose from as well, from like the Legion. Have you ever partied at the Jasper Legion? I haven't partied oh, at the man. Jasper Legion. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> You're not allowed to wear a hat inside. Want to let oh. everybody know. Yeah, they keep it real. No hats inside at the Legion. Uh, fire halls are going to be hosting concerts, restaurants, sun-soaked outdoor stages. This is a perfect time to go out and enjoy and plus the fall colors are just going to be starting out there it's wonderful uh again tickets are selling fast and so we want this to be on your radar you can get yours today at jasper folk music festival that's jasper folk music we'll have that link in the show notes for you to make sure that uh that you don't miss it I've got an I've got a comment here, and I don't think she's I don't have uh, I haven't had time. I said, may I read this, and she hasn't responded back. But I'm going to do it anyway, with apologies if she's I don't think she'll care. Catherine O'Neill, uh, she's been on our you know she's on our uh, <clears throat> editorial board. 
Uh, Catherine is um, uh, the CEO of the YWCA in Edmonton, and uh, she's a former journalist at the Globe and Mail. So a national journalist, uh, an accomplished professional. Um, she says, what a great interview with Claire, with Claire Hanna. She says, you need to see it to be it. She says there are still too many roles and jobs in our society that don't seem open or welcoming to women and gender diverse folks. And there is much work left to do. That's a, a mm-hmm. personal text from KO from Catherine O'Neill. I sure appreciate that. Yeah, it's still happening. I, we were talking about this yesterday. My wife, you know, loved sales and, you know, worked at a car dealership back in the day and yeah. in the 2000s. And it was a different time. And one of the reasons she left was because all the testosterone in there and, you know, kind of feeling that she was being held back and other people were getting better leads than her and stuff like that. So it's still happening uh, everywhere. A uh, little note, the Athabasca is great. That place is a zoo. It like, is an w- absolute it is, zoo. I and bringing up another broadcaster, my friend Trip West, we used to have a DJ slash drummer kind of thing going on and we would throw some guitar into it. We would both get up and we, we would play music off the DJ. He would drum along and we'd play guitar, but we played one show there, man. It was my first time there. Yeah. And that place <laughs> after dark when the clock strikes midnight, it's, oh yeah, it's it's and, and the, it's a party, and and the, and it's a very unique venue. It's it's like a historic hotel, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's kind of like just right off the main drag in Jasper, kind of at right at the main intersection. And and again, when you're talking about Jasper. When I say main intersection, don't get anxiety and think of traffic and smog. Mm-hmm. Think of like pedestrians and wildlife and the you know the mountains all around. Like it's phenomenal. Um, but they have all this. Ta- it's like a super old school hotel mm-hmm. with an old school lobby. Yeah. And the taxidermy in there is wild. <laughs> yeah. There's like there's like all. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's obviously all the stand. There's like elk, deer. Moose, I think there's. I remember a wolverine. Mm-hmm. I think there's like an eagle. There's fish. It's, it's just a scene, like, man. Yeah, it's, so it's a good party. If you've had a few, <laughs> and you need to just step out of the bar for a sec, just go browse the lobby yeah. at the Athabi, and you'll have the time of your life. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Um, we we've received just a, a, a ton of emails and a ton of feedback uh, from our interview with David Parker that was on Monday. If you want to check it out, he's the founder of Take Back Alberta. If you're not familiar with him, um, this is a uh, you know, I mean, basically, it is what it is. It's a right wing group. He's he's a uh, a, p- a political activist essentially, um, and he's he's claims that the group has about thirty thousand members, and they have worked, uh, they've hustled to basically gain control of. I mean, some people might not like my wording of that, but to to basically seize control of the United Conservative Party's board uh, of many of its constituency associations. And as he told us in the interview on Monday, they're coming for school boards next. I encourage you to check it out. If if you want to know more about what that group is all about, you'll hear rumblings of Take Back Alberta or TBA and Talking Alberta Politics. But how much did you actually know about the man who started it before he talked to us this week? Kyle wrote in and said uh, uh kyle wrote a big long email kyle, i'm not gonna read the whole thing but i appreciate the spirit of your comments he says I, i'm i'm in my early 20s uh, he says i'm a college graduate uh, with a background in engineering and i am right of center i'm also orthodox and i say this to expose any inherent bias uh, what a great introduction to an email <clears throat> he says regarding what david parker said i don't personally like the guy uh but the comment section of your ryan your your twitter and your YouTube was a horrid place to be uh, with people calling other people with more social conservative leanings inhuman, uh, Christian fascists, anti-LGBTQ, racists, Trump cultists, and many other derogatory dog whistles. 
this dehumanizes and demonizes people that creates the exact polarization that we're talking about, you know, with with you being a communist and your far right guest being one of those names that I previously mentioned, he says facetiously. He says this is also very American style, black and white, dividing and discriminating on issues that may not even be real issues here, abortion and gun control as examples. I mean, I mean, interesting point, but I'll, I'll stick to the email. He says, we're not the U.S. We have our own problems. We don't need to solve their problems here if they don't exist. Nuance is needed. And two people who exist, for example, under the conservative party's umbrella can be very different. He says, we have red Tories. We have the protectionists. We have libertarians. We have populists. And we have many other small groups among our bigger group of conservatives. Uh, we need to treat our fellow Albertans with respect, dignity, uh, and, and know that you know we're not bringing up these issues for no good reason. People may have valid concerns that while you may not agree with them, uh, you'd probably also get very angry if the same thing happened to you, if your concerns were dismissed. We need to go back to that, even though the Western world seems to be getting more and more polarized. Kyle says, thank you for having guests on your show that you can't hear from simply by turning on the news. That from Kyle, I really appreciate that. Brent says, I listened to your interview with David Parker with great interest as a somewhat agnostic centrist. I love that everybody's planting their flag so we know where the email's coming from. <laughs> Brent says, the biggest thing that stood out to me was him calling others out for the exact things that he is doing to rally support for the far right. I mean, right in the opening, he talks about being demonized as a boogeyman in order to try to neutralize support for his brand of conservatism. But through the interview, he does nothing but the same thing, you know, right? conjuring factless, nameless, nebulous boogeymen. He names these boogeymen as like ideology, worldview, the left, sect, mainstream media, even a cult, as he describes those concerned about climate change. This is all surface level fear mongering designed to rally continued support for a further right base behind the current government through Take Back Alberta. He does the same by blanketing blame onto the feds. Now, now, don't get me wrong, says Brent. The federal government has its fair share of issues, but instantly placing all blame there is a crutch, another boogeyman. In his own criticism of, of our own social media age, he says people can demonize your opponent into something they're not, and then you can characterize them and start your propaganda machine. This is exactly what's happening with Take Back Alberta. But then without any real grounds and speaking about the EDI crowd, equity, diversity, inclusion, another boogeyman. He conjures the biggest boogeyman of all, communism. So if that's the playing field, let's conjure Karl Marx, the biggest of boogeymen who called religion the opiate of the masses. If that's true, Take Back Alberta is fentanyl to a certain part of our province. That from Brent. Richard wrote in to say, my man, clearly. David Parker and Take Back Alberta are using the tools of democracy quite effectively to advance their priorities. Incidentally, they have also provided a roadmap for groups with other priorities to get organized and to make their voices heard. He says, as your listener Deborah pointed out in the email you read on uh, Tuesday's show, the fortunate or unfortunate, depending on your perspective, reality is that so many of us are apathetic and or unwilling to be anywhere close to as organized and strategic as David Parker has been. Kirby throws a bullseye there. 
He says, here's something that crossed my mind. While Parker's apparent level of influence over a political party feels like a new phenomenon in Alberta, my sense is that it's been happening for decades, he says, in federal politics. He says there's always seemed to be like whispers or rumors of so-called puppet masters that that control the federal liberal party, for example. He says your interview with David Parker sparked my curiosity and I found a couple of interesting articles he says, back in 2017, and Johnny, you can show this on my screen, he says, McLean's published an article inside the progressive think tank that really runs Canada by Ann Kingston, how a small think tank called Canada 2020 gave rise to Justin Trudeau and became the country's new nexus of power. He says back in 2019, the National Post published a piece, a column, Meet the Laurentian Elite, the Mediocre Masters of Canada. It was written by John Weisenberger. He says our self-declared social and political elite is like the air we breathe or proverbial water around fish. It seems so natural as to be unnoticeable. Richard says, I'm not sure if that qualifies as an official conspiracy theory, But I thought it interesting and perhaps relevant that organizing groups of like-minded individuals in an effort to exert massive influence over political parties is not new, is not a strictly Alberta phenomenon, and is certainly not limited to the extreme right, in quotes. Who knows? Maybe one day the group Canada 2020 will make an appearance on Real Talk. That from Richard. Who knows, pal? I wouldn't rule it out. Jared wrote in to say, uh, and, he, and, and he writes this. The, Jared's email is kind of interesting because he writes it to David. Uh, so he didn't. He sends it to us, but he writes to David. Okay. So he says, David. Uh, this is from Jared. David, I'll admit we're on the opposite sides of the political spectrum, and, and I found that most of your interview with Jesperson was unsettling. Uh, but let's set that aside for now. He says, I want to focus on something that drove me absolutely nuts. And that is the massive cognitive dissonance between your arguments for citizen involvement in democracy and against Canada's global role when it comes to climate change. When talking about Take Back Alberta, citizen involvement in democracy, you use motivational phrases such as, I believe that the more that we show up and take part, the more of us that do so, volunteer, take on the responsibility of being a citizen, the better things will get. Yet the moment the topic of climate change comes up, you adopt a fatalist or a defeatist attitude. You tell Ryan, The belief that Canada as a nation can do anything about the impact of climate change, we cannot. We represent 1.4% of emissions. If we froze in the dark, it would have zero impact on climate change. Jared says, using that same frame of thinking, I, I could come up with an equally terrible democratic argument, like I, as an individual, can't do anything about the impact of voter apathy. I am 0.00003% of Alberta's population. If I voted, I would have zero impact on democracy. I guess what I'm asking is, says Jared, why the cognitive dissonance on these two topics? Do you believe climate change is a hoax, or do you simply believe that I can influence my government locally, but my government cannot influence the world. Whatever it is, just have the intellectual honesty to say the quiet part loud. It would be a lot less exhausting than trying to decipher what you actually believe. Jared says, for me, it's pretty easy to imagine a Canada that takes global warming seriously. And I do believe that with a large national effort, we could reach net zero without undue hardship on Canadians with a combo of solar, hydro, wind, nuclear, natural gas, and carbon capture technologies. For a country 
with the achievements that we have, it seems like something within our grasp as long as we have the willpower. I guess I'm just a little surprised that the leader of Take Back Alberta's motto for democracy is take on the burden of responsibility and start doing it ourselves, while his motto for climate change is Canada cannot change what's happening. That from Jared. And finally from Graham, this was a big one. Graham says, I'm a huge fan of the show. I tune in as often as I can. It connects me to home. Thanks, Graham. He says, I thought Monday's show was put together in a way that only real talk could. You allowed David Parker to speak. You weren't afraid to share the other side. You didn't necessarily gear up for a fight. You allowed us listeners to hear his thoughts. I certainly don't share his views, but I do think he's being misrepresented on certain things. Just my opinion. What strikes me is how little tolerance people are showing to others' opinions. The educated seem to be the worst at pointing fingers. He says, I'm educated at a graduate level. I don't vote NDP. I was convinced I had to while part of a public union for more than 10 years. That said, I value supports for people in need. I value defense and justice and industry and human rights and freedom and the environment. I give a lot of thought to the world my kids are going to inherit from us. He says, holy shit, I'm tired of people piling on this show whenever you don't strongly represent the left. And when it comes to understanding rural viewpoints in this province, people need to leave the city and connect with our neighbors. Folks in rural communities have been the heartbeat of this great province from the beginning, and I'm thankful for their common sense. He says, believe it or not, they greatly care about the extract, uh, the same things uh, that us city dwellers do as well. They'll give you the shirt off their backs time and time again, and they're up against some major problems when it comes to crime. He says, thanks, Jespo and Johnny, for what you do. That from Graham. So that's just a portion of the emails that we've been receiving. You and I were talking about some, and, and I wanna, you know, we, could, we could make the show three hours long and read more of them. we got a lot. <laughs> but obviously, that interview has a lot of people thinking, which I'm really grateful for. You and I haven't really we stopped talking do. about it, so yeah. we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. If there's somebody that you would love to see on Real Talk, we're only an email away, and you can also find us easily on social media. Make sure if you're not following us on TikTok, I want to embarrass you for a second and point out, Johnny posted, what do you call, what do you even call him? What are they called? Tick, uh, what know, are they story? called? Story? Yeah. Whatever? Yeah, like 400,000 views on one, of our, on, one of our, on one of our talks. Yeah, record. Uh, 400,000 views yeah. on one of our TikTok videos. Yeah. Uh, amazing job you're doing there. And you can follow us, everybody, if you're on TikTok, at RealTalkRJ. Uh, this show is, is supported uh, by groups like our friends at Local Environmental Services. And we want, on their behalf, to remind you that if you're in the business of making decisions... If you're the one that's taking a look at the bottom line of a bar, restaurant, clothing store, other retail outlet, maybe a mall, maybe a hotel, heck, maybe it's West Edmonton Mall, they keep it local. You'll see those green local environmental services bins all over the parking lot at West Edmonton Mall. It's because they understand connection. They understand better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. In a while from now, we're going to tell you about the next Mayor of the Mall initiative that's coming up at West Edmonton Mall. That's done because of local environmental services. They're about so much more than garbage, but they also do garbage really well. If you're in the Edmonton area, if you're in the Whitecourt area, if you're in the Regina area, anywhere in Alberta or Saskatchewan, visit them online for a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. 
It was amazing to hear from a, a friend of ours. They've just graduated with their MBA from Athabasca University. I was thrilled on two fronts. Number one, because she's been working at this for a long time. Number two, of course, because it was from AU, Canada's Open University. We're really proud to partner with Athabasca University because, well, they, they kind of roll like we do. You know, they're, they're easily accessible, online, digital, forward-facing, future-oriented. Athabasca University is all about getting you schooled in the area that you're fascinated by and then getting you a job if that's what you're looking for. As a matter of fact, nearly 90% of Athabasca University grads, 9 out of 10, say that they are currently working in a job related to their field of study. That is just one of the things that makes Athabasca University unique. You can learn more about how AU gives you control over your life thanks to flexibility and openness by visiting them online at AthabascaU.ca. If you're a professional engineer anywhere in Canada, want to let you know about uh, some job openings right now at Apex Automation. This is a company that believes in its people. Johnny and I, we work their Christmas party together. I've never seen a group of people have so much fun. You can tell when people really love what they do and really care about the people they work with. This is a company that deeply believes that it's important that their individual employees have a chance to reach their full potential. And so they build their entire business model around that. You can check out the careers link today if you're a PNG or maybe you're getting set to graduate from an engineering school in the next year or two. It's never too early to visit the contact us link, the careers link as well at apexautomation.ca. And our friends at Eden Landscaping want you to know that they're still working into the fall. It's not too late to get that excavation project done, to get that retaining wall replaced, to get that outdoor kitchen started, the one you've always wanted. Everybody's having these outdoor pizza parties now. That's like the new trend for hospitality. Eden can bring your outdoor space to life. And you can tell I say it with enthusiasm because they're doing exactly that for us right now. We've invested our budget for backyard reinvention with Eden because we love how they work. Starting with the design process, they're the best in the business for a reason. You'll find Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're, we're going to take a bit of a change of pace. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the news. We spend a lot of time talking about politics. But coming up tomorrow, we're going to be talking about food. Yeah, that's right, food. And we're going to look at regional food. We're going to look at prairie recipes. There's a new book coming out, and it's co-authored by two people that I absolutely adore. So Dan Clapson and Twyla Campbell are going to join us for an early edition, a Thursday edition of the Real Talk Roundtable. And if you love food, even close to as much as we do, we really hope you'll join. We'll talk to you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. 
Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.